good morning. We, at this point, seem to have dodged a bullet, amen? Then I get a text about 20 minutes ago as the service was starting from Steve Wofford from Macon, Georgia. He says, not to be a Debbie Downer, but don't forget Charlie when it went one way and it came back the other. And I said, oh my gosh. I wrote back, thanks, Debbie. God is good. We, we escaped a, a big one. Now, here's a riddle for you. Here's a riddle for you. What is the one thing you can strive for, but once you have it, you immediately lose it? What is the one thing you can strive for, but once you say you have it, you immediately lose it? Humility. Humility. So let me ask you, are you a humble person? Think for a moment, look in the mirror, say, am I, hey, I'm a humble person. Now think about it before you say anything. Our scripture today from Luke has Jesus attending a dinner party. And he's at a dinner party at a Pharisee's home. And a Pharisee, if you will remember, is a Jewish religious scholar from the first century who knew the religious rules backwards and forwards. They were considered to be a part of what we might describe as the movers and shakers of the community. They were uh, dressed impressively. Their table manners were impeccable. And they wielded a, a good amount of influence in the larger community. Um, our story is picking up where Jesus is attending a dinner party thrown by a Pharisee. We don't have a name for the Pharisee. But I want us to pick up in the story. We're going to look at Luke chapter 14, verse 1, and then slide down to verses 7 through 14. Let us listen to the word of the Lord. Fourteen one. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. And when Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, Jesus told him a parable. He said, when you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit in the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come out and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to make, take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus said also to the one who had invited him to dinner, now, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. 
in case they may invite you back in return, then you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Now, Jesus' words seem to be giving us proverbial advice on how to go out to dinner. He follows with a second parable, which is like a good seasoning. It enhances the flavor of the first. It brings out the flavor a little bit more richly. Um, And the second parable is like that seasoning, adding light and flavor to the first story. In fact, the second parable, Jesus uh, ensures that, or the parable ensures that we just don't hear Jesus' words as good at dinner advice or social customs. You see, today, my friends, Jesus is lifting up for you and for me how we are to live together in community and how we are to be in relationship with each other. You see, ultimately, Jesus is foretelling what he himself will eventually do on some Passover in the future, where he, literally for the whole cosmos, gives himself for all of us in the ultimate humiliation. Our story today is Jesus telling you and me Hey, imitate me. Imitate me. Now, how are you and I to imitate Jesus? Well, Jesus says we imitate him when we change our perspective and our point of view from where we are seated. He is inviting you and me to look at life through the eyes and listen to life through the ears of those, let's say, who are seated by a fancy fancy restaurant's kitchen door. You know, the good table. You ever sat at a restaurant's table by the kitchen door? It ain't fun. Let me tell you. It's the most undesirable table in the entire restaurant. You see, you not only hear conversations of people in the restaurant, but you also hear the banter between the service staff as well as the cooks. They're bickering about how customer at table seven wants her fish cooked. You hear the busboy slinging the dishes and the pots and the pans around. You can overhear the wait staff gossiping about that jerky customer at table 16 and what they want to do with their food. You hear all this at the table by the kitchen. But your perspective with the table at the kitchen also changes not only with what you can see as it becomes obvious from the kitchen table uh, by the door, uh, uh, the table by the kitchen door, uh, you see which customers are getting the better service. You also see um, the server in the prep station dropping a couple of lemons on the floor, picking them up, wiping them off and putting them back in the bowl. You note how the waiter takes his forearms out of a and then grabs your plate. 
And since you're sitting in a loud and distracting seat there at that table by the kitchen door, you also end up watching and hearing the other diners in the restaurant. Who's talking to whom? Is that couple in a fight? Who's this woman sitting over here by herself? And why is she so sad? You see, when you sit by the, at a table by the kitchen door, your perspective changes for the whole restaurant. Sit at the best table in the house? What do you see? Let's change seats. Let's move from the, the, the table by the kitchen door over to the best, rest, the best seat in the restaurant. What becomes clear and obvious? Well, you note who's getting better service. You are. <laughs> you note how the server uh, is taking more attention. Other customers and the wait staff fawn over you. And, and people around you wonder, wow, what makes them so special? They're being really treated like kings. You see, Jesus is inviting you and me, my friends, to change our seat in the restaurant. He is ta asking us, give up the good table. And I want you to move to the dinner table by the kitchen door, the least desirable seat. You see, he wants us to do that in order to change our perspective and how we look at and hear the world and those around us. And it's all by purposefully changing our seat. When a person accustomed to sitting at the best seat at the table or restaurant is asked to sit by the kitchen door, he or she will relinquish their place of honor and privilege and see and hear the surroundings from the perspective of a place of servitude from the margin, from the edges. Your perspective on the waitstaff changes as you hear the battling of the servers, arguing for the, whose order comes up first, or the chef yelling at a, at, a, at, a, at a sous chef for not getting the dish properly prepared. When you and I change our seat, we change our perspective. And we develop a sense of empathy and understanding for others in the room. Your outlook as you sit by the table by the kitchen door, your outlook of the restaurant might even change as you see how well or not the management takes care of his or her staff. Frankly, if you and I are seated at the, seated at the worst table in the restaurant by the kitchen, there's an opportunity there for you and I to be taught how to be a better, more kind and appreciative diner. At least it can. Beloved, Jesus wants us to change seats. He's talking to the Pharisees about changing seats. Because he knows that when we change our seat from the place of privilege to the place of marginality, it will change our 
perspective. From what we are accustomed to, to a perspective of the way things truly are. He is asking you and me to voluntarily give up our places of privilege and assume the posture and the position of the marginal, of the lowly overlooked ones, the ones from the edges of the room. He is asking us to put ourselves in their places, to spend time walking in their shoes in order to gain a perspective of how the non-privileged live and how they are treated. At least it can do that. Isn't this the core of what humility is about to begin with? Humility is all about purposefully changing one's perspective (laughs) from from that of privilege to to the standpoint of being powerless and in need. It means giving up. It means giving up my self-importance in order to experience the impetus of power that many in our world experience every single day. It means intentionally positioning um, myself to view the world not as a a person, or to to view the world as I am blessed uh, as compared to that of being I am deserving. By changing the seat, my friends, it means learning to live with what we have versus what we're entitled to what we think we deserve. At least it can. Humility is not a quality we are to strive for. That's an oxymoron if you think about it. But humility is a heart-held virtue from which we are to live out our life. It describes more of who you and I are at the core of our being as opposed to how we act. Humble acts emerge from humbly lived lives, and that's from a perspective of understanding who we are. It's the position of looking out for the other and trying to understand their dreams, their longings, their hurts, their sorrows. And once we begin doing that, as we change seats and get another perspective, something begins to happen. You see, when our perspective changes, when what we see changes, when what we hear changes, so too is the way we respond to those next to us. When we look at others in the, in the world from a position of being down low like they are, we feel their isolation. We feel their discrimination. We feel their sense of being forgotten in the back of the line. What we see in our lives impacts how we relate to those in our lives. Our hearts and the embraces of our arms can grow more caring, more enlarged, more encompassing. 
by changing perspective. We get out of ourself. Perspective changes behavior and how we relate with each other. At least it can. Jesus is calling you and me to imitate his humbleness. Ultimately, that is what this story is about. Jesus is asking us to imitate his own understanding of humility. We read in Philippians 2 how God gave up the form of being God in order to be a human being like you and me. Thus, God changing God's own perspective enabled the Lord God Almighty to see and experience our humanity from the standpoint of broken humanity. God experienced our world, human beings, in a way God had never experienced before by condescending and becoming one of us. Our English word for humility derives from a Latin word, humus, which means the earth, the dirt. Literally, the black and brown dirt of the ground comprised of composted dead leaves and plants and animals. The soil from which new life emerges. Humus is the compost of the soil which brings nutrients to seeds that are planted and they take form and they express new creation. This is what Jesus did for you and for me, isn't it? The compost, the humus of Good Friday brought us new life and new growth at Easter, didn't it? At least it can if we embrace it. And here's the newsflash, beloved. This is what the story is really about. This is what the story, you know, if we really look at this text from today, we see Jesus just hammering home the obvious. You know, he is, he is telling the Pharisee that which he already knows. I mean, if you think about it, at a wedding feast, who is the, who is the person of honor? Bride and groom. So Jesus is going out of his way to say, you know, the bride and groom, they're going to come in and they're going to sit at the, at the back of the line. And then he, at the end of the story, he's telling the Pharisee what the Pharisee should already be doing anyway, and that is inviting and serving people who are poor, the lame, the disenfranchised. You see, Jesus desires that your life and my life, this church's very essence, be the hummus the compost through which the kingdom of heaven can be planted in the here and now in this broken and hurting world. We have to be the hummus 
The body of Christ is the soil, the composting soil of all that's gone before us, that's been laid to rest, that is dried out, rotted, and is giving new life through the Spirit. As Jesus gave up his life for you and for me, we are called to give up our seats of honor, our lives. And we are to become, you are to become the source of nutrients for others as they discover the winsome life of Jesus Christ. And we do this by imitating Jesus. We do this in and through humility. Through humility. We're going to do something that different that we normally don't do in this service. We're going to um, stand up and we're going to recite an affirmation of faith, but let me tell you where it's coming from. It's going to be up on the screen. One of the earliest creeds or affirmations of faith in the ancient church is found in Philippians chapter 2. Some think it's written by the Apostle Paul. But actually, it was a, uh, thought to be a baptismal hymn written even before Paul uh, started using it. And it's from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. And so if we could put it up on the screen, I would invite you to uh, stand and let us affirm this together. This is scripture. It's not the preacher talking. Paul writes, the hymn writes, your attitude should be the same that though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every name so that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of our Father in heaven. Amen. Let's continue to worship.